0: Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Hallelujah. In your Bibles tonight, you can turn to Jeremiah. Studying the will of God, and through prayer and study, meditation, a bunch of writing I've been doing, the Lord has really dealt with me about how you can't really teach on the will of God without addressing the heart issue. So I brought out my teaching on the heart and I've got some more stuff I want to teach and we may make kind of a turn for a little bit into some teaching on the heart, some refreshing, some of the the teaching. How many were not here two years ago when we taught the series on uh, matters of the heart. How many were not here? Raise your hand up and wave it. Well, there's a few, so it'll be new to you, but the rest of us, it'll be a, a review and a refreshing. You've only heard it one time anyway. You need to hear it over and over for it to get into your spirit. Jeremiah 29, verse 11, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you an expected end. One translation says, hope in your final outcome. It says, then you shall call upon me and you shall go and pray unto me and I will hearken unto you. Now that is a great day when God hearkens unto you. When God listens to you, when God hears your prayer, when you know God's working on your behalf, I'm telling you that's when faith takes, home and it takes hold. And that ought to be a time of great humility in your life also. It says, and you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. Now notice he talks about having thoughts and plans. Amplified actually says it. I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you, say the Lord. Thoughts and plans for welfare and peace. So God is actually saying right here, i got a will for you. i got a plan for you. Can I get an Amen. That's way back in the old covenant. And if he's saying that to his covenant people Israel, how much more should that be relevant to his children here on earth today? Because we got a better uh, covenant based on better promises. Now, entering into the will of God, understanding the will of God, knowing the will of God for your life, and then pursuing that, walking down that path of righteousness for his namesake, is going to take a lot of heart changes in you. Uh, I've, I've worked on and off, uh, more on right now recently. I've been doing a lot more writing uh, on a book that, I'm, uh, that I've worked on for several years on uh, uh, the title of it. I'm just going to go ahead and title it for what I should. Uh, you Can't Shoot a Cannon Off a Rowboat, Dealing with the Character Development of the Christian. Amen? Yeah. Now, now listen, in that I'm going through a lot of experiences in my life in which God has had to deal with my character. And in order for God to deal with my character, He first had to deal with my heart. And if He he could not deal with my character because my heart wasn't right, I could never enter into the will of God. Because only by the character that God creates in you, according to the right heart that you have, can you enter into the will of God and stay stay in the will of God. God wants to take you to the highest place you can go. But He can't keep you there if your character is not mature because your heart is not right. And that happens to people in all kinds of endeavors in life. You see it in the natural, you, you know, in the athletic uh, endeavor. I uh, saw a guy the other day that got uh, 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 arrested for a DWI in Houston, a famous athlete, he used to be a famous athlete. And, and, and when he was at his peak, I'm telling you, man, he was like, he was like the best guy playing the game, but, but now he's just another also-ran uh, because he just didn't have the character to stay in the place In which his talent or his ability put him into. Uh, We've seen it in athletics, we've seen it in business, we've seen it in politics, we've seen it in ministry. In just about every area, people with great giftings go to places in which their gifting can't keep them there because they don't have a character to undergird it. Many times it's because their heart is not right. Now we need to refresh ourselves on some things about the heart. So I'm just going to do that for a few minutes and then we'll we'll conclude this and try not to to linger tonight. But When we first studied that series, we began using a scripture there in Proverbs. If you want to turn to Proverbs, that's that's cool. Proverbs chapter 4, we use verse 20, 21, 22, and 23. King James says, my son, attend to my words, incline thine ears unto my saying, let them not depart from thine eyes, keep them in the midst of thy heart. Everybody say thy heart. It says, For they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. Isn't it amazing that the Word of God describes itself as health to your flesh? That means more of the Word you get, the more it's going to actually affect your physical body. It'll affect your physical body. Read the Word, study the Word, meditate upon the Word, healing will be in your body. Amen? Uh, A couple of different translations. Never lose sight of the Word. Uh, Fix them in your mind. Uh, Don't let them out of your sight. Keep them deep in your heart. Keep these thoughts ever in mind. Let them penetrate deep within your heart. Three different (coughs) translations there. Excuse me. And then uh, the next verse is, keep thy heart with all diligence. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Everybody say issues of life. One translation says, from it flow the springs of life. Another translation says, with all watchfulness, guard your heart, for out of it flows the actions of your life. Another translation says, use all watchfulness to keep thy heart true, that is the fountain which life springs. Another one says, guard your heart more than any other treasure, for it is the source of all life. Your heart is the compass or the thermostat of your life. Amen? It is the compass or thermostat of your life and it is regulated by the words that you speak. The Bible says Jesus actually said out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. So whatever in your heart is going to come out of your mouth. Amen. What you communicate continually on a... Continu- you communicate doubt, unbelief, discouragement. You communicate all kinds of negative stuff. That's what's in your heart. Your heart is literally, is literally uh, uh, soiled are, are toxic with all that stuff, and you need a heart transplant. Now, let's just talk about a couple of things that we, that we know to be true just to refresh ourselves. First of all, when we talk about the heart, what are we talking about? We know over in uh, Hebrews chapter 4, talks about the word of God being sharp, powerful, sharpening to its sword, deciding, dividing us under uh, that which is of the spirit and of the morrow, which is the flesh and of the soul and is, a, and, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Literally, it shows us that we're a three-part being. We are spirit, we are soul, we are body. Everybody say that? We are spirit. we have a soul, we live in a body. Amen. But then it talks about the heart now. The heart, in most of the teaching in the Bible, the heart is interchangeable with the human spirit. Amen? Uh, It talks about the human spirit and the heart interchangeable. But then there are other times when it talks about the heart literally being separate to itself. And the greatest testament of that is the Old Covenant. You say, why is that? Because their spirits were separated from God. They were spiritually dead men, but over and, over and over and over and over and over and over, it talked about the heart. Talks about the heart. Couldn't be talking about their spirit. Had to be talking about something else. So when we did this series a couple of years ago, I did a study and looked at some things. And what was amazing is, is I discovered that the heart, although we are spirit, We have a soul, which is our mind, our emotions, and our will. We live in a body. Those things are given to us. They belong to us in our humanity. Every human being is a spirit. Every human being possesses a soul, which is mind, emotions, and will. And every human being lives in the body. He say, well, I know some human beings that are not in their body. Well, then they're not, they're not on the earth. They're either in heaven or they're in hell. Right. Amen? Don't go for any of this people that communicate with the dead and all that kind of stuff. All that is is demonic. Right. That's all it is is demonic. And if you get involved with that, you're going to get yourself messed up. So we've seen that the heart is something that can develop, unique not only to you, humanity, but also can be unique to the animal world. You say, the animal world? Yeah. Uh, one of Leah's favorite movies is uh, Secretariat, about the, uh, the horse that uh, won the triple crown and won the last one by 36 links and, and was this great horse. And when you read about Secretariat, what they say about him is they talk about what a heart he had to run. I mean, this guy had the heart of a champion. Amen? And, and you talk about uh, the heart of athletes you know, uh, a, a boxer, a basketball player, a baseball player, having a, a, the heart of a champion, a heart to win. So you can see that, that the heart can be developed in one of two places or in both places. There's your soul, your mind the way you think, your emotions the way you feel, and your will are the choices that you make. Put that right in the middle, and then over here is your flesh. So in between your soul and your flesh, you can develop a, quote, heart for something. I've even had coaches, uh, i heard coaches say this about their players, uh, having one with a greater talent, one with a lesser talent, but playing the one with the lesser talent because he had a greater heart. I mean, we've all seen that, amen? Uh, We've seen people that just, uh, you know, they just would not be denied. They just had a heart to develop whatever talent, Whatever skill it was, and they developed it, and because of that, whatever endeavor that they were involved in, they found success, they found excellence, they found increase, they found promotion because they had the right heart. Then you get somebody over here that's got a greater gift or more talent, but not the right heart, and they pass by the scene, and nobody even remembers them anymore. I mean, it's an amazing phenomena. Now, over here, In between the soul and the spirit, in between the soul of a man and the spirit of man is where you develop a heart for God. Amen. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, your spirit man, before you were born again, was separated from God. You were spiritually dead. But when you got born again, you got in union with God, the life of God. The power, actually one translation literally says you're recreated in His likeness and in His image. A recreation took place in your spirit man. You became a new creature in Christ. The Bible says we were buried with Him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised from the dead, even so we also walk in newness of life. So literally, the spirit becoming alive or one with God was not a change. You say it's not a change? It's not a change. It's newness. But based upon that newness, now your heart can change. There's so many people today, they want to they they uh, go to heaven, they want the benefits of the Word of God, they want, they want all of the comfort that it brings, but they don't have a heart to serve God. And what you have to do is you have to develop, if you're going to find the will of God, you're going to have to develop a heart to serve God. Amen? Amen? And in order to do that, you've got to recognize that there is something to develop. Now there's the, I think that's where we run into uh, a problem or a situation because it takes an effort on your part. You say, well, Pastor, I'm just waiting for somebody to come pray for me. <laughs> well, when you find that person, let me know. I haven't for me too. Because I've had to work on my heart for 35 years. Amen. You're not going to find somebody that can pray it into you. You're not going to find somebody that can lay hands on There's not going to be anybody that's going to impart anything that's going to cause your heart to change, to grow, to mature. This is an effort on your part. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to work on your own heart. Amen. Now, when you begin to look at the two attributes of the heart toward God, which are submission and humility, every time you find those words in reference to you, it talks about humbling yourself. It talks about submitting yourself. So beginning to work on a heart for God so you can find the will of God starts over here in the soul with a choice. Amen. Amen. Now, if your heart lies in between your spirit man and your soul, one of those two are feeding your heart. Now, if your soul is feeding your heart then your heart is being fed by what you think, by what you feel, and by the choices you make. Now let me say that again. Your heart is being fed, your heart is being developed, and your heart is being formed by what you think, by what you feel, and by the choices you make. You know, I thank God for people that come to church on Wednesday night because you're making the right choice. You're making a heart choice. I mean, you know, we'll have... 250, 300 people on Sunday, and then on Wednesday night, we barely gather 100 people. It shows us that about one-third of the body of Christ is willing to have their heart worked on, and two-thirds isn't. You say, why is that? Well, there's always a reason. You can always find a valid reason when it comes to, to submission and humility to the things of God, of why people do and don't do what they do. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, uh, you know, there's always an excuse not to come to church because of what you think. There's always an excuse not to come to church because of how you feel. There's always the choice that you make that draws away from the spirit man feeding the heart and causes the soul to begin the number one supplier of the motivation or the thought or the intent of the heart. When that begins to happen, your heart begins to slip away from God and begins to slip where? To you to self, and a selfish heart will find it hard to serve God. You say, why? Because nothing's about God, it's all about you. The way you think is about you, the way you feel is about you, and the choices you make is about you. And the Bible tells us right there in Proverbs, which is our book of wisdom, to do what? To guard your heart with all diligence. Man, how much had those guys over in the Old Covenant, where they did not have any type of input from their own human spirit into their heart, they had to supply, they had to rely totally upon the Word, totally upon the Pentateuch, upon the Law, totally upon the Prophets, totally upon whatever it was God would supply at that time, totally upon that to keep their heart right toward God. There was no spiritual conduit from their own spirit into their life. All there was was the spirit that from time to time would come on the prophet, priest, and king, and that was always temporal. That's why in the old covenant, I guarantee you there was a lot of feeling you say, what do you mean by that? There was a lot of presence of the Lord. There was a lot of tangibility of God. There were a lot of dreams. There were a lot of visions. There was a lot of the supernatural, trying to talk to the men and women of God, trying to keep their heart right. Where in this day and age, you don't have much of that. That's why I'm always learning of people that are, I've got dreams all the time. I see Jesus all the time. I have visions all the time. Now, listen, you've got to understand, you've got a better way than a dream or a vision or any? You say, what is that? It is your own human spirit, which is now a conduit to your heart. Now, I don't discount dreams or visions or anything like that, but if that's the primary way you're trying to develop something in your spiritual life, you've been fooled. I said, you've been fooled. Amen? I mean, the person that I knew that, that probably had more encounters with the supernatural like that than anybody else was Brother Hagin. But one thing Brother Hagen always said was this, I never put any credence to any spiritual thing that ever happened to me that, that happened apart from the Word of God. Even in visions and dreams, he would question the vision and dream he would have. You say, well, oh, he's keeping himself safe, staying within the confines of the Word of God. Because I'm telling you, your heart is easily deceived. If you don't believe that, go out and look on the internet of all the crazy stuff that is going on, all the crazy things that happen that people try to tack the word move of God or revival onto, and I'm telling you, there's some crazy stuff out there, and all of it is because of a literal deceived heart. Because once you get the heart swinging in one direction, I guarantee you, it's hard to move it in another way. Once your heart gets set on something, amen? Amen. I mean, it can get set on something, and I'm telling you, unless you, unless you allow the Holy Ghost, then it's hard to move it off of, off of that and get it onto something else. So you've got to guard your heart. Everybody say, guard my heart with all diligence because out of it are the issues. Everybody say, the issues of life. Now, I kind of went through, went through and looked at some of them, some of, some of my notes. I wanted to give it over on that issue side because I think that is, that is what's really relevant to the will of God us understanding and flowing in the will of God. The heart, one translation says, is the origin of all issues. Now, first of all, we must understand life issues, and we kind of take this for granted, but I'm telling you, in the world, people are messed up. The way they think is messed up, the way they feel is messed up, and the choices they are making are very messed up. Because the origin of that which is in the heart have to do, first of all, issues of life, have to do number one with identity. Who am I? Now, you think we're all solid on that? You're wrong. There's a lot of men that think they're women. There's a lot of women that think they're men. Now we've gotten to the point where it's not just men thinking they're women and women thinking they're men. we got men and women thinking they're neither. There's a big non-gender movement. Well, I ain't neither one. Remember, remember how we cured that at Island Church years ago? Anybody remember that? It's easy to figure it out. You say, how's that? Just take a peek. Some things aren't hard to figure out. Because, listen, the second one is what do I do? How are you going to figure out what do I do if you don't know, if you don't know who I am? Amen? I mean, if you ain't figured out who you are yet, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be hard to figure out what you're going to do. And I guarantee you there's a lot of people in the United States, and you see it over in Europe, you see it in other places, and, and it's an amazing phenomenon in this day and hour. But how, how could there be a greater deception on the earth than to take a man that is physically a man and so convince his mind his emotions, and his choices, that he's a woman that he would actually pursue having a physical change made by, our, by our, our medical people. Well, there's people doing it all the time. I said there's people doing it all the time. Now, what happens if that all of a sudden change, you go get all the surgery, and the next thing you know, about six, eight months later, six, eight years later, you wake up and you feel like what you used to be. You start thinking like what you used to be. I don't know how many times we can change tires on that thing. (laughs) Amen? I don't know how many times it'll work. So first of all, that is an issue of life. Who am I? Everybody say, who am I? Well, that ain't hard to figure out. Second, what do I do? Everybody say, what do I do? You say, why do you say that? Because God puts a purpose in everyone's life. Everyone on the planet that God creates has a purpose. And when you come out of the human family and get into God's family, then that purpose goes from a human purpose to a divine purpose. Glory to God. Somebody get excited about that. So we figured out who we are. We figured out what to do. Now all we have to do is figure out where to do it. Those are the issues of life. Amen? I mean, if you want to be a, you know, a a professional ballerina, Laredo, Texas might not be the best place to live. (laughs) Amen? But if you want to be a, a rodeo hand or something like that, it might be good to live in Laredo. See what I'm saying? Who am I? What do I do? Where do I do it? And I like this one. Who do I do it with? Those are the issues of life that are determined by your heart. And if your heart... Now listen, you say, what do you mean? Well, we're studying the will of God. So if your heart is right, you're going to know who you are in Christ. You're going to know what to do in Christ. You're going to know where to do it, and you're going to know who to do it with. Those, Those questions will be answered by the right heart. Amen? Secondly, how about money issues? Those are heart issues. Amen? We just read over, where was it? 2 Corinthians 9. As you purpose in your what? Not in your head. It's a lot of people, they try to purpose in their head. They don't purpose in their heart. You got to listen to your heart when it comes to giving. There's been times I've listened to my heart and wish I I didn't. I was going to, when I went to Africa, I was planning on on, uh, giving Egan and Hannah a nice offering. And I was praying. I stayed in their home. I was praying every afternoon. I was praying in the bedroom I was staying in. And the Lord spoke to me and said, now, I've spoken to them to give you an offering. And I said, now, Lord, I don't don't know if I can do that. And the Lord spoke to me again. He said, no, I've spoken to them. They need a financial breakthrough in their ministry. And I've spoken to them to sow into your building program. And so I was like, you know, I don't know. And for two days, I wrestled with that. I wrestled with it in my heart. Because I'm a real missions person. I don't believe in taking from missions. I believe in giving to missions. So finally, I just said, okay, Lord, I'll I'll do what you tell me to do. So the last day I was there, I went in, we sat down, and and they had this envelope. They had it on the table. I knew what it was. And they said, "Uh, Brother Rusty, the Lord has spoken to us. They said, The Lord has told us to sow an amount of money. Anybody want to know how much it was? It's $10,000. It's a lot of money when you're a missionary into your building program at Island Church. And I said, you know, Egan, I said, that's hard hard for me to receive it. But God spoke to me and said to receive your offering. So with both of us, he had to deal with our hearts. And out of that was what? Well, there was an exchange of money, and I brought that check straight home and put it in the building fund. But what it did for him is he was able to plant the seed of $10,000 in the good soil of his own heart. And God just gave him the the, the conduit of Island Church to do it in. You see what I'm saying? So with money issues, you're going to have to settle these four things. Giving, spending, the wisdom you need for money, and the integrity it takes to handle money. Now, we're talking about what? Being in the will of God. And let me just say this. Being in the will of God, there are two financial elements you need to understand. At the most inconvenient time, it will cost you money. Then there will be times in which you will have more than you know what to do with. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, God will try your heart many times... In the most inconvenient times, in which He will put a demand upon you to give. But what He is doing is He is looking for the fertility of your heart through you being willing and obedient. Because He put in His word in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 14, that if you're willing and obedient, you're gonna have what? The best. You're gonna have the best. So at many times, uh, uh, at a great time of inconvenience, God will say, "Give this, give that, give this." What is He doing? He is putting His hands into your heart. That's what He's doing. So many times when that's happened to Lee and I over the years, we never did that spontaneously. You say, "Why? We didn't have the courage to." You say, "What do you mean you didn't have the courage?" We didn't have the. I'm like, man, you know. I mean, I I feared God, but I fear her, too. (laughs) Amen. A guy was talking to me one time about a pastor that that left his church, left his wife, and ran off with a, a physical trainer, 40 years his younger, you know. And so this pastor was telling me this story, and I said, well, he said, what do you think? What do you think happened? I said, well, he married the wrong woman. He said, what? I said, he married the wrong woman. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, if I would have done that, my wife would have killed me. (laughs) Amen. But you've got to understand that God is looking to do everything He can do to help you to be an effective sower of the Word. Amen. And many times when it comes to money issues... Money tests are presented us, and many times in Leonie's life, when the Lord said, "Give this or give this back or don't take this or don't do that," we w- it would take us a day or two. You know, it would take us twelve to eighteen to twenty-four to sometimes uh, thirty-six hours to finally say, "Okay, God." We're going to obey you. We're going to trust in the Lord with all our heart. We're not going to lean to our own understanding. We're not going to try to figure this out. We're not going to try to do the math. We're just going to, from our heart, a willing heart, an obedient heart, we're going to obey you. And every time we've done it, God has brought great increase into our life. And during that 12 hours, 18 hours, 24 hours, 36 hours, God was working on our hearts. Because the warfare would be going on in our minds. And we would be fighting that warfare with the Word of God by speaking the Word. We would be worshiping God. We would be humbling ourselves. We would be submitting ourselves to that Word in our heart. You say, well, how do you know it's God when He speaks to your heart to do something like that? You know. <laughs> you don't have to, well, I think God. T- no, it ain't nothing like that. It ain't, don't worry. It ain't no, I, I think God's God. T- no, it's not. It ain't that. It's one of those things where you think the thought, you know, your spirit releases it and it rises up and touches your thought and you try to walk away from it. Maybe if I get out of church, I won't have that thought anymore, you know. Maybe maybe if I don't listen to Christian music, I'm going to listen to something else on the radio, you know. Go home and watch the Flintstones or something. You know, you, 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 you keep trying to get away from it. Then it comes back up again. Then it comes back up again. And then you can always tell when you start erring on the side of disobedience, it starts coming up and you start getting that sick feeling. Like, ugh, that kind of, ugh, man. Oh, Lord. And then then you, then you come to the conclusion, God's talking to me. <laughs> Well, now it's time for God to begin to work on your heart. It's time for you to humble yourself. It's time for you to submit yourself. It's time for you to get willing and obedient. It's time to do what God's calling you to do. Obey God. Amen. Since we're talking about finances. In your giving. Uh, We've had it happen. See, a lot of people think, well, he's just trying to get money out of us. No, no. Uh, We've had it happen in our spending. I mean, we went out. First time we bought a nice new car. A nice new car. We went out and, and found a nice car we could afford. You know, we could afford the monthly payments, and, and uh, uh, we looked at it. And, and I made the mistake. I, I said, there, there was a real nice, what was that, that first little car we bought? That was such a cool car. I got a ticket in that car. <laughs> it was uh, Acura 2.5 TL. That was a sweet car, man. It was real. This was back in the in the early to mid '90s, and uh, so I, I kind of, I told Lee, I said, "Let's just go drive one. Let's just go check one out." So she drove it, and I drove it, and we're all like, "Cool!" So we got back in our car. We're heading home, and, and, and I thought, I, t- I told, I, t- I never forget telling. Remember me saying this? One of these days, one of these days, I'm gonna buy you that car. Little did I know, I left and went and preached a meeting. In the hotel room I was in, I was praying, getting ready for this meeting, and God started dealing with my heart. And here's what He said: He said, "You can't have the car you can afford, but you can have the car that you can't afford." And I was like, "What does that even mean? Does that even make sense?" And so I, you know, I'd say, "Well, Lord, you know, go. That's cool. You know, we'll we'll deal with this riddle later. You know." <laughs> The Lord speaking speak it to me again. No, you can't have that car. You, you cannot go buy that car. You can afford it. What was we going to buy? A Toyota Camry, I think it was, or, a, or something else. I, I, I had a, to, a Toyota. And the difference between the price of the two in which we could afford was what? $13,000. And so I was like, Well, yeah, right. That's easy for you to say. But, you know, I mean, I'm the one that's got to go down and and make the payment and and put the down payment on. And I told the Lord, I said, we need $13,000 more to buy that car. And the Lord said, if you'll believe me, you can have it. And so I said, okay, Lord, I'll obey you. See, he was dealing with me and my spending. Because if you're willing and obedient, you're going to eat the what? The best. You're going to have the best. You're going to drive the best. You're going to wear the best. And a lot of times we never do that because we're not willing to allow our hearts to be exposed to God when it comes to giving and spending. Because if He can get a hold of your heart when it comes to giving, next thing He'll do with you is spending. And see, all the times we think, well, He's going to cut us back on spending. He don't do that. He ain't a cutback God. He ain't a downsized God. Come on. I say, come on. Oh God's speaking to me to downsize. That ain't God. God's an upgrade God. Amen? Somebody needs to hear this tonight. Somebody needs to hear this tonight. you think, I'm just going to downsize everything. Well, you're out of your, here. The next part's not working for you, which is wisdom. You say, well, that's not wisdom to buy a car you can't afford. Well, you didn't hear the rest of the story. So we prayed, I think I called you and told you what the Lord had told me. And all I asked her to do was to agree. When I got home on that uh, Thursday morning, on Friday, we went down there with $13,000 extra dollars and the car that we had for a traded and bought that Acura 2.5 TL. And and the guy, God gave us the fleet. Remember that guy? He even came to Abundant Life to hear me preach. He found us walking through there, asked us who we are, I said, well, I'm, I'm Rusty Martin. He says, what do you do? He said, I travel. I'm a preacher. He said, oh, you're a preacher. He said, come here. I want to talk to you. I went in there. He said, he says, now, I run the f- fleet. Was it the fleet? He said, I do fleet like if you're going to buy like five or six cars. I said, well, I don't want to buy no five or six cars. I just want to buy one. And he said, what I'll do is I will sell this car to you like you were buying a fleet of them. Remember that? Old white-haired guy. And man, it was, I mean, we must have bought five cars from him. I mean, every time we wanted a car, I'd just wheel up in there. He'd be waiting for me. Come on in. I mean, God gave us favor with that guy for years and blessed us. And we drove the best. Amen. Now, let me, let me bring you to the wisdom part. I'll close. You say, what do you mean? Well, I didn't want that car. I wanted a Lexus. What, what was that, the 300? Back then, it was a Lexus 300. And so, uh, I was kind of telling them, well, Lord, if you want me to do this, then I, you know, that, that Acura is a nice car, but I want that Lexus. All my preacher friends were driving Lexuses. They were. Brother Osteen had one. Pastor Walter had one. Everybody had a Lexus. I want me a Lexus. And so, I was praying about it, and every time I prayed about it, It was just that yuck feeling. So I came home, and I I started talking to Lee about it, and she had the wisdom. You say, what do you mean? Well, God gave me faith and gave her wisdom. Uh, That's a good marriage seminar right there. Amen? Now, she said to me, Rusty, don't buy that Lexus. I said, why not, sweetie? She said, it makes a statement you don't want to make. And she said, if all you did was preach in Houston and Pasadena, Dallas and San Antonio, that wouldn't make a hill of beans. You would drive that Lexus all day long. But you preach in all these small towns and all these small places all around this area and coming wheeling up in a, in a Lexus is going to make a statement that's not going to be received in those churches. She said it like this. I'll never forget the way you told it to me. She said, they don't even know what an Acura is. And the Lexus and the Acura, the car I was buying, the 2.5 TL, was equivalent to that. That Lexus, what was it? The LX300 or whatever it is. They were the same. They were the same car. So not only giving, everyone say giving, giving, but our spending, if I say spending, then wisdom. I knew when she said that, I knew that was God's wisdom right there. And then God gave us favor with that. You say, what do you mean by that? That's literally how we were in the will of God for many years in the vehicles that we drove not saying we're not in the will of God now. We are. We do, the vehicle Leah's driving right now. We walked in onto the, uh, uh, the one that she had was just a little not her style. And we walked onto the, to the uh, uh, what, what's the name of those people? Infinity. We walked into the Infinity dealership. And all these, man, they were all, wanna, and next she saw one the color she liked. We walked back there, and the guy said, yeah, that's the one you want. We said, why? He said, because it was what? $20,000 less than the rest of it. It had been a demonstru- demo, and they knocked like twenty grand off of that. We had a bunch of equity in the other one, and we walked out of there with a good deal. Everybody say, a good deal. You say, why? Because we've stayed in that vein with our vehicles. Well, let me tell you about my truck. <laughs> Since we're talking about wisdom, amen. I don't know why. I just, I drove five Tundras. My, my deal was is I buy a brand new Tundra and I drive it three years, keep it under 50,000 miles and flip it. And I liked it. I no problems. buy the four-wheel drive, buy them all nice and everything, you know. And all of a sudden, I just, I saw a vehicle, and all of a sudden, I wanted that vehicle. So I just tried to pray it out of me because I don't want to covet anybody's stuff. And I'm like, you know, I don't, I don't. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm just not, I am kept telling myself, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Then all of a sudden, I was down at a ranch in South Texas, and the, and the ranch foreman said, sell me your truck. He told me what he'd give me for it. I'm like, really? He said, yeah. I said, I don't know. I, I'll call you later. So I came home, and I told Lee about it, and we went up to Dickinson, and they got this tall I should have got a picture of you standing next to that guy. He's a b- basketball player for the for the uh, rockets played for the Rockets, seven foot two. Leah's well, three foot five it was <laughs> We're walking around with this guy. It was hilarious so he's telling us all about it and everything, and showed us the price, and I thought, ah, you know, so I, I just I thought, that's just me, I'm not going to do that. I, I'm just you know, and we just walked away from it and so about. Six weeks later, that thing just kept rising up in my spirit, rising up in my spirit. The, the, my friend from, from, from Laredo, he, he, he bought another ve- ended up buying another vehicle. I still had my truck. And I just thought, well, you know, that wasn't God. I'll just wait. And I, I needed about four more months, and that would have been three years, and I had kept it under 50,000 miles. And uh, uh, I just, one day, I just turned into the classic dealership. And I went in there and I started asking them about that vehicle. And they said, well, it comes in diesel and it comes in gas. And I said, well, I don't know anything about a diesel. They said, well, you know, what you want and the color you want, they're, they're hard to get. We can't get them. And I said, well, what if I ordered one? He said, listen, you can order it. If you don't like it, you don't have to buy it. All you have to do is, is give us a check. For $1,000, and we will put it, we'll, we'll staple it to your to your file. And if you buy it, that 1000 goes toward your truck. If you don't, we tear it off the deal and give it back to you. I said, cool. So I ordered it. And I waited six weeks. They told me it would take about six weeks. So I came in there after six weeks, and I walked through there, and I said, how's my truck coming? And the guy was like, well, let me look on the computer. He looks on the computer and he says, well, he says, when you ordered it, we submit it and there was nobody in front of you, but it's not gone to production. That's really strange. So he called for another salesman. He said, this guy knows about ordering trucks. So he got on there. He said, yeah, yeah, see this number? I said, yeah. He said, that number means it was ordered. He said, see this number here? I said, yeah. He says, that number means within the next two weeks, this truck that you ordered will be in production. I said, well, how long will it take to produce? He said, well, maybe eight weeks, maybe, maybe three months. I'm like, man, I mean, you know, I thought I was going to have a new truck in six weeks. He said, let me see your file. So he looked at the file. He said, I've got this truck. I said, you've got this truck? He said, yeah, it's sitting on the lot. And I thought he was talking about the truck that I ordered. I said, you mean my truck? He said, no, not your truck. He said, I ordered this truck for a man that did a roofing job on my my house after Harvey, and he ripped me off for $30,000. He said, I'm just waiting for him to come back in here and try to pick this truck up. (laughs) He said, let's go drive it. So he went to drive it, and it was a diesel. I said, I didn't order a diesel, I ordered a gas. He said, why don't you want a diesel? I said, I've never owned one. He said, let me talk to you about a diesel. And he laid out all the reasons why I should drive a diesel. And sold me. (laughs) So I had some equity. I had a guy that wanted my truck. I'd sold it to him. I had some... uh, Uh, They took some money off the other truck I was looking at, which is a F-250 King Ranch. They 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 wouldn't want to take a nickel off of it. Uh, They took some money off of it. I'm sitting there, and guess who walks by? The owner of Classic, who is my neighbor. (laughs) What are you doing, Rusty? I'm buying a truck from you. (laughs) Needless to say, I got into that truck at a great price, got a great deal, got equity in it. I love it. It's really nice. It's the nicest vehicle I've ever driven. But from that one time over that Acura 2.5T, which has been 25 years ago, God showed us how to stay in His will in our transportation. Now, that doesn't mean you have to work the same thing I do. That doesn't mean you, you know, drive your cars three years, keep them under 55,000 miles, trade a in, drive a new car. Don't do, that. don't do that. You've got to find your own giving heart. You've got to find your own spending heart. You've got to find your own wisdom heart. Then you have to keep your heart with integrity. You say, what do you mean by that? Integrity, when it comes... How do we get off on money tonight? I don't know. Somebody must need to hear this. When it comes to money... You have to always err on the side of righteousness. Because one messed up deal with your integrity can soil your heart. Say, well, I could not tell them about this, or I could do this, or I could do that, and make a little more money here, not have to spend as much money there. If you ever violate your integrity in the will of God, You've you've done right in your heart in your giving. You've done right in your heart in your spending. You've done right in your heart with wisdom, but you violate the integrity. It has a way of erasing all of that. I've seen preachers do it with money, with offerings, with projects. Listen, unrealistic projects, things that don't work, all this kind of stuff. Listen, you cannot do that in business. You can't do it in ministry. You can't do it in your personal life. Listen, Everyone in the world system is trying to get over on each other. Amen. Now let me say that again. Everyone in the world system is trying to get over on each other. Spend the last, get the most. Integrity, the Bible says a righteous man or woman. I'm going to throw, throw the women in there too. Is that all right, women? A righteous man or woman will swear to their own hurt and change not. That one scripture has cost me thousands of dollars. You say, what do you mean by that? Because I've said things that I had to back up financially. Had to back it up. Had to do it. You say, what? Because I said it. And I wasn't going to sell my word for $1,525. I wasn't going to sell my word for that. Because the day you sell your word, it is sold. I said, it's sold. You said, what do you mean by that? When you give your word, you say, you know, I'm going to, you go somewhere and you see something and it's $500. You say, well, I'll be right back to buy it. And you go three go down three blocks and you find it for $450. And you think, well, might as well buy it here. It's $50 cheaper. But you told that person you were going to buy that for 500. So you've sold your word for 50 bucks. No, that ain't ever going to happen. No, do that three or four times, five or six times. God will give you mercy. God will give you grace. But what it will do, it will set a pattern in you. And once that pattern is set in you, then I guarantee you the enemy will lure lure you into something big in which you violate your integrity and you get yourself in all kinds of trouble. And you don't want that in the kingdom. You don't want that in your finances. You want to keep your heart right. And listen, listen. Money is a fluid issue. The Bible calls it the least of all the blessings of the kingdom of God. Now let me say that again. It's a fluid. You say, what do you mean by fluid issue? It comes and goes. It comes. There's floods of it and there's droughts. Paul said, I know how to abound and I know how to be abased. Amen. So sometimes you just got to learn what to do with abundance, and you got to learn to do how to do when abundance is not there. But don't make, listen, don't make money the issue of your life. Because what money wants to do is unrighteous mammon or money wants to become your God. That's what it wants to do. And if it can exalt itself in your heart till you live by that standard of the Almighty Dollar that I'm telling you. You'll never experience the abundance that God actually wants you to have. But if money comes and goes, I like what one preacher said years ago. Somebody asked him, he said, you got millions of dollars? He says, yeah, I got millions of dollars, but it's coming and it's going. It's flowing. And as long as money is flowing in your life, you're going to be okay. Because God will always let you drink out of that which is flowing in your life as long as it's flowing. Amen? Amen. Did that help you tonight? I thank God. God just got us off on that, and that's good. You're going to keep your heart right toward money? Hallelujah. Lift your hands and say this. Heavenly Father, Father, according to your word, in in Proverbs, Proverbs, I guard my heart with all diligence, for out of it are life's issues. Thank you, Father. I know who I am, what I'm supposed to do, who I'm supposed to do it with. Thank you, Father, for money a giving heart, a spending heart, a heart of wisdom, and a heart of integrity. Heavenly Father, help me by your word and your spirit to set a guard on my heart in every area. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Stand on your feet. Lord, we thank you tonight for your word. As we leave, we thank you You keep us, according to Your Word, safe and protected. We declare over all the church, no evil befalls us, no plague comes in our dwelling place, angels have charge over us. We thank You, Father. We abide under the shadow of the Most High. Our travel is blessed. The righteous labor of our hands are blessed. All that we put our hands to prospers. We thank You for it. Thank You for that door of utterance. Let us always be aware that outside the church are hurting people, people that need to be reconciled to God, people that need to be restored to the church, and people that need to be encouraged. Thank you, Father, that we are ministers of that everywhere we go, all through this area, to your glory and for your kingdom. In Jesus' name. Lord, as we leave tonight, we love you. We thank you. We thank you, a God, a heavenly Father that cares so much for us, gave His only begotten Son. We walk in faith and love toward You, Heavenly Father. We walk in love toward each other. We thank You for our church. We leave tonight as the ambassadors of Christ You called us to be. Thanking You, Lord, here at Island Church, we're covered by the blood, empowered by the Word, and anointed by the Holy Ghost. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah, Jesus.